Well, good morning, church family. Hey, let's stand as we worship, as we ask God to prepare our hearts. And Lord, as, uh, as we are getting ready to worship you, God, I pray that this is, this is true for us today. Prepare our hearts to worship you, the ever faithful, ever true. Forgive our sins and make us new. Prepare our hearts to worship you. Prepare our hearts for holy ground. Let our defenses tumble down. Come to what only you can do. Prepare our hearts to worship you. worship you, to worship you. 
to worship you. Well, what a good start to our time together this morning to come surrounded by, surrounding, and considering Jesus the ever faithful, ever true. And so just as that song was a great beginning, we also have the privilege this morning of beginning our time together with baptism, uh, with a, uh, a young fellow coming forward professing faith in Christ and coming uh, in believer's baptism to join, to join the people of Christ who are surrounded by what Jesus has done. And so welcome. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family. If you're a guest, I uh, just want to extend a uh, welcome to you. There should be a card right in front of you, in the pew in front of you, that says connection card or communication card. And if you would take that, fill that out, and uh, just drop that in the offering basket on your way out. Uh, give us the opportunity to reach out to you this week. Just record that you've been here with us and be able to pray for you. We'd love to have that opportunity. And so by way of announcements, we will be back here tonight, this evening at 6 o'clock. Uh, we will have uh, de deacon ordination. And so as uh, our new year has begun over the summer and we have several, several men who have been called and appointed to serve, uh, to serve this local body. And so we will have a very sweet time together to, uh, to ordain, to commission these, young, these men for uh, what, what God has called them to do. And so I hope you'll join us this evening at 6 o'clock in here. Uh, for for that time together, and so as I said, this is a this is a wonderful time of baptism. If you're not familiar with what baptism is, it is simply a a display of what Christ has already done. Jesus came. God sent His Son to take flesh and to give His life, and He did. The Son of God, Jesus, came and gave his life on a cross. He was crucified, and in his death, his full bodily death, as he gave his life to pay for sin, he was buried. And then after three days, by the power of God, he rose again in victory over sin and death, the grave over Satan, forever, never to return. And so as Jesus came, as he began his ministry in baptism, he instructs us as believers to do the same as a picture of what he has already done in the lives of people. So that as Trent is coming forward to, to be baptized, he's coming forward professing that he has believed in Christ and that Jesus has come and has given him spiritual life. And so baptism is this picture of what Jesus has already done. So if y'all want to come on down, come on. Of what Jesus has done in his life, professing faith and joining a profession of faith like you, joining this local body. And so it's also a request, a request to be identified with, with you as a believer and as part of a local church. And so membership's important. Being part of a local church is crucial and important, and, and baptism is part of that, that display of that reality. And so his dad, Josh, is here to, to, to baptize him in recognition of his leadership of his family and of his kids. And so he has a little, little bit to share. I want to thank the, the church and uh, the leadership for uh, allowing me to participate, all three kids, all three of my kids' baptism. Wonderful, and I, you know, I don't take that lightly. And Trent came down and almost had a call an audible right at the top of the stairs. He goes, "Daddy, I gotta go to the bathroom." <laughs> I said, "Hold on, son, just wait, <laughs> wait till we get out." But watching Trent since October of last year, he came to his mother and I and he said, uh, "Daddy, I'm I'm a sinner, and I want Jesus to, to save me." And I said, "Son, he already did, and uh, all you gotta do is." Do nothing but believe. And uh, since then, we've watched him grow and uh, saw him uh, develop. And, you know, obviously at a young age, you want to make sure they really understand what Christ has done for them. And he does. And I'm so happy uh, to be here and to help with this. So because of that, Trent, because of the, the, 
the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary. And because of the profession of faith that you have in him, I baptize you, my brother and my son, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Heirs of Christ and his death, grace to walk in the newness of life. Very good. So if you would pray with me, and we'll, we'll continue in worship. Father God, God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that has been relative, that's been frequent, Lord, to rejoice, to rejoice in what you have done, to rejoice in what you are doing in the lives of people, bringing, uh, bringing illumination of sin and self uh, and, and conviction by your spirit that, Lord, you are drawing to see to see our desperate need of your grace and of your mercy, Lord. And so, Father, I thank you for Trent. I thank you for, uh, for his confession of you. And, Lord, I ask your help this morning that, God, you would be with us. You would speak to us from your word. And that, God, your spirit, Lord, would draw each of us before you towards repentance, some towards faith, and, uh, Lord, for the first time, and, Lord, others, God, to, to be drawn, to abide, to spend, to direct, to, to come, Lord, before you. And so, Father, would you, Lord, speak to us in this morning and be glorified in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship. Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me, and I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bowed and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still and all.
Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you, once an enemy. Now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. Once you're in a me, now seated at your table, Jesus, that sacrifice that you made, giving your son for us. While we hated you, while we were far from you, sinful, wretched people, you gave your son as a sacrifice to draw us to you. God, and we don't deserve it, and yet you still give. So Lord, thank you. Thank you so much. God, I pray for Pastor Joel as he brings this message, God, that you will give us ears to hear, God, hearts to understand. Lord, that we will leave this building equipped to serve you, to love you, to show your love to others. Lord, help us to have hearts that are open, God. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray, amen. Y'all can be seated. Amen. Good to see you this morning. Uh, We have a number of folks who are sick right now. I know you're watching the news and uh, keeping abreast of uh, what's happening with COVID again. And uh, even our chairman, new chairman of the deacons will not be at ordination tonight because he's been exposed to COVID. Uh, So let's just be cautious and careful and wise and uh, intelligent beings, okay? I know that leaves out half of us at least, I think. <laughs> anyway, no. Uh, so if you're wondering why there's so many gone, plus the fact that uh, we had 150 students staying in our facility this past week and uh, uh, on mission in Mobile. You may have seen it on the news. We were grateful to host them. Uh, but our, for some reason, our garbage pickup company decided that they're going to boycott us this week. So we've got garbage coming out of our ears everywhere. And so if things aren't quite the way that you uh, are accustomed to them being, that's why. And I want to thank the team of three uh, that showed up yesterday to help uh, clean up. And uh, so we appreciate that very much. We also had a wedding yesterday. Uh, it was good to see Hunter and... Uh, Courtney all joined together in uh, holy matrimony, and uh, we also had a birth. Uh, Jennifer Sly gave birth to a little boy on Friday, and so it's been a good week. It really has, and I'm glad to see you here this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're at the final message uh, that I'm going to bring from the book of Second Peter. Now, last week, uh, we were blessed to have Dr. Ab Abercrombie uh, to share with us, uh, I think, the best message I've heard on repentance, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm going back to it. It is online. It's at several places. It's at uh, YouTube. It uh, was at our Facebook page. It's also on sermonaudio.com, and uh, so you can avail yourself of that. It's that type of message that uh, uh, you will need to revisit again about how do I uh, overcome uh, habitual sin in my life through the gift of repentance. And so uh, today I want to begin reading in verse 14, and we're just going to look at the last two verses around the idea of be steadfast. So we've been looking at final words here in these last uh, four verses or five verses And uh, there's some commands that are given here. So see if you can uh, spot them as I read them, uh, beginning in verse 14. It says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish 
and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. But there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. So you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But... Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to Him be the glory both now and the day of eternity. Amen. Join me in prayer. And Father, we do thank You for the Word of God. Uh, the most profound thing that will be said today is the reading of Your Word. Uh, Lord, Scripture is your word to the heart of every human being. It is life uh, to the soul of the child of God. It is that which the Holy Spirit uses to regenerate the unbeliever's heart. Lord, you cleanse the hearts and minds of followers of Jesus Christ through your word. And so we ask that this morning... In these few minutes that we have together, that, Lord, uh, you will speak to our, our hearts, our lives, our minds, our wills, and our emotions uh, through the Word of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And I kind of want to just uh, point out to, at the beginning that uh, 2 Peter somewhat begins as it ends. Uh, it's almost like it's book-ended. Uh, it really has to do with uh, false teachers. And, and what are we to do with false teachers and false teaching? And so it begins in chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2 by saying to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Here it is. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord, of Jesus, our Lord. So what he's talking about here is that uh, he wants us to know that when we grow in grace and we come to full knowledge of Jesus Christ, that's what we need for life. He goes on to say he's given to us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so when we come to the 17th verse of uh, chapter 3, he says, Take care that you're not carried away with error or lawless people. So he, he kind of he ends the way that he begins. So I've titled this, Be Steadfast. And where do I get that from? Well, I get it from verse 17. For he says, uh, Be careful that you not lose your way. That you, not be, that you not drift away or be carried away, as it says here in the English Standard Version, uh, so that you don't lose your stability. Now, let me just read you the two definitions out of the Greek dictionary, okay? Number one, it says this word means a state of security, a safe position, to have a safe foothold. So when we're talking about your stability, we're talking about being firmly planted. It's being stable where you can't be knocked off of your feet. The second definition is a firm commitment to conviction or belief. Steadfastness. That is to hold firm to one's convictions. And so we're talking about having this steadfastness in Jesus Christ no matter what's going on in the world. Now, I don't know if you've been watching the news or not, but you really don't have to watch much news to know that it's rained a lot, at least around here, right? Well, isn't it been interesting? It's rained a lot in a lot of places around the world. There's been a lot of flooding that has gone on in different parts of the world, and we've seen 
communities washed away. We've seen uh, dams break, and there is a shifting of everything. And it was just a few weeks ago that we saw a condominium down near Miami built on sand, and the Scripture reminds us that if you build your house on sand, great will be the fall thereof. But if you build your house on the rock, when the storm comes, you will stand These are contemporary reminders of what Peter is trying to cause us to remember as followers of Jesus Christ. We need to be steadfast. We need to have our spiritual feet firmly planted on the right things. Uh, One of my favorite verses about steadfastness comes from the end of the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians where it says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing uh, that your labor is not in vain. So I want to just pull from these verses three simple little truths. Number one, let's be steadfast to the warning that is given here to us. There's a warning that God gives us. And let's look again at verse 17. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand. Knowing what beforehand? Knowing beforehand that there are going to arise false teachers who are going to take Scripture and they're going to twist it. They're going to turn it around. They're going to use it for their own self-gain. And they're going to teach you that it's okay for you to do and live however you want to do. There will be no consequences. There's not a God that's going to hold you accountable. Because, you know, God does what? He loves you. He loves you. And God would never do anything to hold you and I accountable to His truth. And yet, we have lost the fact that God is our creator and as our creator he has a command over our lives and he has given us the scripture to hold us accountable to a life of integrity and holiness that he requires of every human being and we like sheep have all gone astray and we've turned everyone to our own way There's an accountability, but the Lord has laid on Jesus Christ, Him, the iniquity of us all. So just as Jesus bore our account for our sin, we must live as followers of Jesus Christ under that same accountability of His Lordship. And so that's kind of what Peter is reminding them. He says, so you are to take care. You're to be diligent. You are to watch over. You're to guard. You're to guard your life so that you aren't carried away. Uh, when, uh, when we were just kids, one of my older brothers, we were, we were down at the beach. And this was in the old days, you know. Uh, uh, there were no lifeguards. There were no rescue people. There, there, there was, uh, uh, you know, and you didn't. Back in those days, you didn't buy all the, the, the little floats and toys. We got uh, tire inner tubes. How many of you are old enough to remember floating in tire inner tubes? Yeah, hey, I've got a few of you, okay. And so uh, we had a tire inner tube, and my brother was in it, and, and I, he's kind of like a daredevil. Uh, you tell him, don't go further than 20 feet, he'll go 200 feet. Uh, don't jump off the bridge at Alabama Point. And he did. Uh, And he's that kind of guy. And the next thing you know, he's gone off too far. And guess what the uh, rip current has done? There goes my brother on his way to Mexico. (laughs) Mom and dad were watching as it happened. But mom and dad were with the other kids. And they would look up. And they'd look at the kids. And then they'd look up. And it seemed imperceptible to them. They couldn't quite see it themselves as he slowly drifted away. And and that's what Peter is warning us against. Is that slow, continual drift away by listening to the false teachers of our day and not being grounded in the solid foundation of the Word of God and of Jesus Christ Himself. 
It is a warning that we need to heed. How do we do it? Well, when Paul was writing to uh, a young pastor, to Timothy, in his first letter to Timothy in the sixth chapter, in verse 20, he said, Timothy, guard the deposit. It's, it's the picture of a soldier who, who's guarding a prisoner. Uh, be on watch all the time. Don't let your guard down. Uh, don't think everything's going to be okay. Because uh, life is going to uh, it's gonna smack you real hard. It's going to hit you real hard at times when you least expect it. Uh, so be on your guard. And then notice, secondly, in that verse, he says, avoid. So guard what's been given to you in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And avoid, notice what he says, irreverent babble and contradictions, which is falsely called knowledge. We're talking about false teachers who come along and say, well, you know, uh, I, I've shared this with you before. I have a neighbor that uh, uh, she continues to, is l at least the last time I talked with her, to say to me, I just don't believe that a loving God would send anybody to hell. And I say, well, where do you get that from? Where do you get that belief from? Where do you get the, your knowledge of that truth from? She says, well, I just believe it. I just don't see how God could do that. I said, so I'm supposed to trust your intelligence. I want to know what you made on the SAT test. I want to know how many years of college you've had. And even if you had it all, if you look at your life and say, of all the knowledge that's available in the world, how much of that knowledge are you aware of? And she said, oh, about a paper-thin piece of it. And I said, I'm going to stay on the side of the eternal God who says that he holds men and women accountable for their sin. So he says that it's falsely called knowledge, and we're living in the day of great knowledge. This is the day, the information day. And all you got to do is look up something on the Internet, and it'll tell you the truth, right? Wrong. Okay? I mean, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster ride even in regard to COVID, hasn't it? I don't know as you and I go back, if you could go back uh, to the beginning when we first started hearing about it, yes, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, don't wear a mask, yes, wear a mask. Uh, and, and everything changes constantly. And, and, and these are the greatest brains that we have on the planet. And I'm trying to remind us is there is a God who has given us a certain word where he has promised, Jesus said, there will not be one little uh, part of the word of God that will not be fulfilled until I come. We have a certain word from God, so be steadfast in this warning to guard what God has given us in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and let's make sure that we avoid others. And then... Uh, uh, secondly, I want us to look at the steadfastness we're to have in the wealth that we have. So verse 18, the first part of it here, uh, kind of tells us of the great wealth that is given to us. We've got a warning that we're to be steadfast in, but we've got a wealth to be steadfast in. What is it? Notice what it says, verse 18. But grow in grace. And in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our great wealth. What more can I give? What more can we possess that we need other than the great grace of God that has been given to us and the full knowledge of Jesus Christ? Or like Paul said, that I might know Him. He, Paul said, I know all of these things. I've been all of these things. Remember King Solomon? He said, you, I've tried everything under the sun. There's not a thing I haven't tried. I think, pardon the expression, I think he even inhaled. Okay? I'm serious. I think he tried everything. 
And when he comes to the end of it, he says about all things, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It's empty. What did he come to discover? That God has put eternity into the hearts of men. There's nothing that can satisfy but Christ. The great wealth that we have is the grace that has been given to us. John Piper uh, said that the antidote to deception and destruction is growth in the grace and knowledge of Christ. I don't know that I could have said it better. The antidote to deception... Uh, deceiving ourselves, thinking, I, I believe this is the way it's going to be. Uh, there are times when I'm sharing the gospel and someone will say, well, I, yeah, I, I believe that Jesus, I do believe in Jesus, and I believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but I'm just not ready to bow my life to Him. I don't want Him to be the Lord of my life and tell me what to do. Well, the second question I ask them is, do you want to go to heaven? Well, Absolutely. I said, guess what? You're going to hate heaven. If you're not willing to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, he is, he is the master of my life, what do you think heaven is? Heaven is the place where Christ rules and reigns as the sovereign Lord. His kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is to come. And you see, he's saying, well, I, I think uh, that's a deception. And the only way out of it is by grace and knowing Christ. I'd suggest to you the simplicity of growing in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ is to walk very closely with Christ himself. How do I grow in grace? Well, I, John 15 goes into great t detail about abiding in Christ. Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, that one brings forth much productiveness, much fruit. Apart from him I can do nothing. For Christ is our life. He is our life. So I would suggest to you abiding only in Christ is where spiritual life comes from. Now... In order for us to grow in this grace, number one, you must know Him by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does the word regeneration mean? Well, it's sometimes translated as being born again. It means to make alive again, bring new life to. When, when Jesus was talking to that great uh, 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 rabbi in Israel, uh, Nicodemus, or as my uh, astute professor used to call him, Nicodemus. Uh, I don't know what it is about uh, intelligent people that like to say it differently so they make you feel real stupid about yourself. But that's what he would call it. Nicodemus is his name. Notice what he says in John chapter 3. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And here's what he says, just like the wind. So it is with everyone who is what? Born of the Spirit. You see, we need to be made alive. And it only comes through the Spirit of God. You and I cannot grow in grace unless we are His. That's what Trent was confessing this morning through baptism is that he had come to the place hearing the Spirit of God speaking to his heart and granting to him this wonderful gift of salvation and grace comes upon him and he believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, brother? Yeah, he said amen. You didn't hear it, but he said it. Okay? And so uh, we must be born again. But secondly, we must also, if we're going to grow in grace... And in the knowledge of the Lord, we must abide in His Word. We must abide in His Word. Jesus, or Peter gives us a, a clear picture of that, a very simple picture of that, that any of us can comprehend. Like newborn infants, 1 Peter 2, 2 says, long for the pure spiritual milk. And that is the milk of the Word, that by it you may grow up into salvation. 
Now, I, I don't know if you notice I'm donning pink today. And it's on purpose. Uh, my two granddaughters are right there. Okay? I only got granddaughters. Y'all wait. You want to come up here and join me? No? Okay. I didn't think you did. But if you're online, th these are two of the most precious children that God ever created. Okay? <laughs> but uh, I, can, I can remember how mean I was as a dad to their dad. Because I remember when my son was nursing, I used to love to tease him. I, I'm a terrible teaser, okay? And my son would be sitting there, and I knew he was about to get hungry. And you know what dad would do? I'd take my finger, and I'd kind of rub it on his cheek. And you know what he would do? Boy, he'd move just like that. That meant it's time to eat. There's food. That's what the Lord is telling us to do with His Word. Is allow the Word of God to touch our spiritual face so that we immediately draw ourselves to the Scripture. Now, I know what sin will do to us. Sin will deceive us. Sin will say, you're okay. You don't need to read the Scripture. As a matter of fact, when you read it, just like... Peter said, there's some things that Paul wrote that are really hard to understand. And, and, and it's true. And you and I need the Holy Spirit of God to help us. But we've got to read the Word like newborn infants will drink their milk. Oh, that you and I would ask the Lord for a hunger and a thirst for His Word. So that we might be in His Word, we might know His Word. And then thirdly, we must walk obediently to what he says. We've got to walk obediently to what he says. So, so I've been born again of the Spirit of God. I'm getting faithfully in the Word of God. But that in and of itself is not enough. I, I've got to obey it. I've got to do it. Because this is what Jesus said in John 14, 15. If you love me, and I say this to the Lord all the time. Lord, you know I love you. You know what I hear back from him? Then do what I tell you to do. Lord, I love you. Obey my commandments. Lord, I'm in love with you because you have saved me by my grace. But how are you following what I have told you in the Word of God? And you and I will not experience growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ unless we are being obedient to what He tells us in His Word. I hate to quote John Piper yet again, but he had just a, a few paragraphs on this section of Scripture. And here's a quote that he made. He said, it's the greatest unused resource in all the world. We're talking about His grace. It is the wealth of God's kindness, the riches of His mercy, the soothing ointment of His forgiveness, the free and undeserved but lavishly offered hope of eternal life. Grace is what we crave when we are guilt-laden. Grace is what we must have when we come to die. Grace is our only ray of hope when the future darkens over the storm clouds of fear. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it is not of yourself. It is a gift from God. And so God is calling us to receive of His grace the fullness thereof. But what about growing in this knowledge? Well, Colossians 1 addresses this very simply. He says, from the day that you have heard, Paul says, from the day that we have heard about what is happening with you, we've not ceased to pray for you. And ask that you be filled with the knowledge of His will. And then in verse 10, it says, and in the knowledge of God. You see, growing in the knowledge of God is in knowing Him. It is in fellowshipping with Him. It is in spending time with Him. It is in walking with Him. It is in obedience to what he has said it is in loving him 
you see, um, though it's been 43 years ago that my wife and I uh, got married, uh, I, I remember when we were seniors in high school, and we had not met, we hadn't been, uh, I don't know if we'd really even been dating yet or not, maybe shortly. It was the summer after my senior year. It, it, it's 1.30 in the morning. I hear this. She doesn't like it when I do this. I hear this knock on my window. And you know who it is? It's my girlfriend. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing here? At this time of night, my dad's going to kill me. I just had to see you. Isn't it sweet? It is. What do people who are in love with each other do? They spend time with one another. They long for one another. They get to know each other. They, they fellowship. They, and the word fellowship means to share in common with each other. We come to like the same things together. My passions become the passions of Christ. And I have to tell you, my, my human passions are contrary to the passions of Christ. And they have to be adjusted to the passions of Christ. Oh, I, I've got more, I've got more uh, abs than you had last week. And so you know what I did? I changed the font size and it made it shorter. So, okay. Last point. <laughs> it really doesn't work. Uh, last point. Be steadfast with worship expressed. And that's the second part of verse 18. Notice what it says. And so as Peter really comes to the end, as he's, as he's given us a warning, uh, and he said, be careful about these false teachers. They're going to lead you astray. Stand steadfast. And then he tells us, we got this great wealth of grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You need nothing other than him and his word and the Holy Spirit of God. He now says, be careful that you are steadfast in worship to God. Notice what it says, to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. And then he puts the amen on the end of it. So be it. So uh, I have to ask this question, what, why do you exist? Why do I exist? Why am I here? Uh, there was a document written in 1647. It's called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Uh, it's a teaching tool, okay? We have the Baptist faith and message which states what our doctrinal beliefs as Baptists are. And, and this is an old document that's a teaching tool that asks questions, and when it comes to the first question, many of you will know this. The first question in that teaching tool is this. What is the chief end of man? And what's the response? That man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And then it lists for us several scriptures that give support to that. So let me make a statement here. Our justification is only a free grace. Your salvation your new birth, being regenerated, is from free grace. It's not something earned, merited, or deserved. And it's done that way so that both God's demanding justice and God's rich grace might be glorified in the justification of sinners. You see, God has given us His grace so that at the end of it all, who gets the glory for it all? He gets the glory for it all. Let me ask you a question. What have you received but that you have received it from the Lord? What grace has been given to you that you have earned? There is none. What work can you and I look at and say, it's because of this that I have been born again? Except the work of Christ on the cross. It's the grace that is given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as a result of that, I think we should respond in the way the Apostle Paul responded in Romans chapter 11. As he concluded that chapter, it's verse 36, and it says it so clearly. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen.
Now let me kind of close with an illustration that kind of, I think, pulls it all together. I hope it does. It's a Bible story. It's, it begins in Luke's Gospel in the ninth chapter. The days were drawing near, it says, when Jesus was about to go to Jerusalem to die on the cross for our sin. And so it says he set his face. By the way, that's called a Hebraism. In other words, it's a Hebrew way of saying be steadfast. He set his face to Jerusalem. That means he was purposed to do one thing. What was it? Die on the cross for our sin, be buried and rise again from the dead. So he set his face there. And so uh, he sent messengers ahead of him who went, it says in verse 52, into the village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him. They rejected. They said, we don't want this Jesus coming. He's, he's determined to go to Jerusalem. We are not going to accept him. And then notice how the, the apostles respond. It says, when the disciples, James and John, saw it, <laughs> this is what they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them? You know, that, that's what I kind of call, you remember their names, their nicknames were the sons of thunder, James and John, right? Kiddos, y'all know that? It, it's it's kind of the queen of hearts Christianity. Off with their heads! You remember Jesus had to tell Peter in the garden, put away your sword. That's the, you're on the wrong battlefield right now. But the scripture says Jesus turned and rebuked them. So here they are in Samaria. They've rejected Jesus. Lord, judge them. Burn them up. Send them to hell. And Jesus rebukes them. And so they went to another village. The story continues not in Luke. It actually continues in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 8 it says, And Philip, remember Philip was a deacon in the church at Jerusalem. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did, they believed. Verse 8 says, So there was much joy in what city? The city that James and John had said, Lord, bring down fire from heaven and destroy them. Verse 14 of Acts chapter 8 says, And now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, I love this. They sent Peter and John. Doesn't God just have a wonderful sense of humor? He sends John back to where? The very place who had rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, who said, no, we don't want him. Lord, bring down fire from heaven and destroy them. And you do not know what you are saying. And in the providence of God and in the greatness of God he brings the message of salvation to that same city and they receive the word of God and there is great joy and John comes in and my sanctified imagination says John had to know exactly what had taken place he knew had I followed what my own heart's desire was I would have missed knowing him so I want to ask you today as we conclude, do you know him? Do you know Christ as Savior and Lord of your life? If not, seek him with all of your heart. Call upon the name of the Lord. And the scripture says you will be saved. As a believer, are you walking with him in an obedient love? Are you saying, Lord, I love you and I will do what you command me? And then thirdly, are you living your life for yourself or for the glory of God? You see, we've got to ask, are there changes that need to take place in my life? And the answer probably for everyone is yes. There needs to be adjustments in my life. I, I may need to cry out unto God and ask Him to grant me His grace today. In the same way that He has promised to reveal His grace so that I might truly repent 
of my willful disobedience to God. And then give thanks to God for His great love and His forgiveness. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Let's bow together in prayer. And Father, I know these words from Peter were reminders. And the words from my lips today are simply reminders. Lord, for most people in this building, if not all, they've heard the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we need to remember. And we, Lord, need to remember that you have warned us that it would be so easy for us to follow false teaching. And Lord, to drift away from Christ. But you call us to the great wealth of your grace and the great privilege of knowing Christ, being in the Word of God and fellowshipping with you, uh, walking with you day by day, everywhere we go. When we go to this store to shop, when we are out to play, wherever we're at, we, we have the joy of fellowshipping with Christ and to know you more. But Lord, if we walk in disobedience to you, we lose that intimacy. And we must come afresh and anew with a heart to change and pray that God would grant us the grace to repent and return unto the Lord. And so, Father, if there be one that's here that has yet to come to bow their knee to Jesus as Lord, or like Psalm 2 says, may they kiss the Son. May they not be like the nations that are raging against your anointed we see it so much in our day. But oh, maybe we be the ones that bow our knee and kiss his feet and cry unto Jesus as Lord. We pray this in his name. Amen.